0: Well, hello everyone, and welcome into the Above the Rim podcast where we talk nothing but the hottest topics in the NBA. I am your host, Tyler, here, and it is Thursday, December 10th, and we have a whole lot more going on. Just like I said, just when you think the NBA slows down, it certainly does not, and I have a packed show for you today we are going to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo of course the other day he talked to the media for the first time and you know what came up his contract situation he had very little to say so we will analyze what he said and what that means for him and the bucks future we also got to talk paul george the breaking news today he has signed a max extension with the clippers we will break everything that means down as well we will also continue our james harden watch as he is expected to be at Rockets camp pretty soon. So what does that mean for him? And what does that mean for his season? Will he be dealt or won't he be dealt? Those are the questions we are asking ourselves. Also, we have another round of better or worse to get into. I have picked five more teams to talk about whether this year I think they will be Better or worse and I am super excited about that we also got to get into the ESPN ranking the players for this season I don't know if you all saw it I believe they ranked it was either a 50 or a 100 but they ranked the players going into this season and we finally have our top 10 lists and it is full of some agreements and disagreements that I will get in with you today and also the preseason. It gets underway tomorrow night, and just like that, the NBA season is right around the corner, so we'll talk about that a little bit as well and what to really expect from the NBA preseason this year. So like I said, we have a ton to get into today, so without further ado, let's just jump right into this thing. And there is no better way to start than with the man of this whole off season, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He talked to the media for the first time on Wednesday, and of course, as we all knew, it would happen. The media brought up the contract situation. Giannis has not signed it yet, and he has until December 21st. But the interesting thing to me were his comments because. They were very vague, and they were very simple. He wasn't very elaborate on anything. It was just a lot of vagueness, and essentially what he said was, I'm not focusing on my contract. I'm focusing on myself. Now, if I'm a Bucks fan, if I'm the Bucs front office, I am nervous. That is not what I want to hear right now, especially about a week and a half away from when he could sign this extension from when the deadline is for him to sign it before this season. Otherwise he has to wait till the off season. And of course that wouldn't really matter all too much. Not to him anyway, because to him the money and the years are going to stay the same. He will get paid the same amount for the same amount of years, whether he signs it before December 21st or if he waits till after the season. So it's no, no big deal to him, but to the bucks, this is a big deal it's a big deal for a number of reasons. Number one, obviously, you don't want your star player not knowing if he's going to re-sign before the season. We all know how this plays out. We saw Kevin Durant with Golden State. We all know how that contract situation lent itself to chemistry issues with the Warriors. We all know that. And possibly a big blow-up with Draymond and because of that blow-up, Kevin Durant left. And everything like that works hand-in-hand hand together. So the fact that Giannis hasn't signed yet, it's got to have the Bucks front office nervous. And they would really love him to sign this before the 21st because this is where things get a little sketchy for the Bucs. If he does not sign it, you got to make a decision if you're the Bucs front office. And that decision simply is, do we try to move him? Do we think he's going to stay? Or do we think there's a possibility he can leave for nothing next season? You do not want a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, a two-time MVP in the league. You do not want him leaving for nothing. That is the type of thing that will hold your franchise back years, especially when you're in Milwaukee, because let's just be honest about it, you're not attracting many free agents there. So this December 21st deadline is a lot more important to the Bucs than it is Giannis. And it's going to be very interesting to see if Giannis does not sign this, which these comments, I mean, I'm not focusing on my contract. I'm focusing on myself. First of all, what does that even mean? And second of all, if he was going to sign this extension with the Bucks, you would think he would give some sort of hint to that to put everyone's mind at ease. That's not what he did here. He was very short. When when you're very short and you don't really answer questions, what does that do? Everyone questions you even more, just like we're doing on this podcast right now, just like ESPN has done over the past few days. And the Bucks have to be feeling the same way. I mean, I know the Bucks front office said they were very confident that they could get Giannis to sign after they got Drew Holiday and after the Bogdanovich trade was supposed to go through. But I also did tell you guys that the Bucks' confidence went down after the Bogdanovich trade fell apart, and it went down for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm not sure Drew Holiday over Eric Bledsoe makes the Bucks a championship contender. I mean, you can argue with me on that if you believe so, but I just don't. I don't think Drew Holiday is head and shoulders above Eric Bledsoe. I just don't feel that way. But if they were able to get Bogdanovich, then I do feel that way. I feel like they would be a very legitimate contending team in the Eastern Conference and that they would have a chance to make the finals, which is what Giannis wants to do. Let's just be real. He wants to win. He said it multiple times, so that shouldn't surprise anybody. And let's just be real about it. You had a better chance of winning if you got Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich than if you just got Drew Holiday. Now, does it show Giannis that the Bucs are willing to make moves? Sure. But where Giannis has hesitancy is the fact that, hey, that Bogdanovich trade got leaked out by somebody. Whether it be from the Bucs organization or the Kings, nobody really knows. But the fact that it got leaked out made both parties a little afraid that the NBA would come down hard with tampering charges. And because of that, it fell through and the Atlanta Hawks were able to sign Bogdanovich. And when you look at those facts, if you're Giannis and you just say you have the slightest inkling that you think maybe the Bucs front office leaked that out or somebody from the Bucs front office leaked that out, you're going to lose confidence in the front office. And that's not a good sign for the Bucs. And really, these comments aren't. Like I said, he has till December 21st. And if he doesn't give a concrete answer before then, This is going to be a festering problem for the Milwaukee Bucks all season long. It is not going to go away. The media will pick. They will pry Giannis and the Bucks every single night they talk to them. And this is why I say it's not just important for Giannis to nip this in the butt now, to really get this out of the way now. Because it's not only Giannis that they're going to be asking these questions to. It's going to be his teammates. And then that can lead towards some sort of resentment. And it's just really, it's, it's a bad thing for chemistry. And if Giannis wants to get to the finals this year with the Bucks, it's a bad way to go because it's just going to cause a lot of problems if he does not answer this directly. Now, if I'm Giannis, my advice to him right now would be you either got to tell the media that you're not going to talk about it at all. You can ask me all you want, but I'm not going to talk about it at all until next season. And then that ends the conversation right there. The media knows, hey, if we if we ask him, he's going to give us a non-answer, so it's not an interesting question anymore. Or if you're honest, you got to let the media know, hey, I am planning on signing, because it just puts everyone at ease. Whether you do one way or the other, whether you tell them that you don't know and you're going to wait till next offseason, so stop asking me, or whether you do sign, it puts everybody at ease. The media, your teammates for sure, and kind of the front office, because the front office can really start to make decisions on what they want to do about you possibly not resigning. So this is going to be very interesting to watch coming down here the next few days. Like I said, December 21st, we're really going to know if he does not sign this before December 21st, I think there's going to be a strong inkling around the league that if things don't go the way Giannis wants them to go this year, he could be out of Milwaukee. And I don't blame Giannis for being vague. Giannis is a great guy. If you watch him in interviews, if you watch him talk to people, if you just watch him interact with people, you can really tell he is a great guy. So he doesn't want to really promise something that he's not going to deliver on, a la Kyrie telling Boston, oh, hey, if you guys will have me, I'll resign. Giannis doesn't want to put himself in that position, and for that, he is smart. So he's being vague and basically saying I'm focusing on myself. To me, I kind of took that as a message to the Bucks organization that, hey, I may want to stay, but honestly, I'm going to do in the end what's best for me. And if we don't do the things that I want to do this year that I have envisioned for myself and this franchise this year, then I might be gone. And it keeps the pressure on the Bucks organization, which I think is a good thing for a star player. Now, as I said, the Bucs were very confident that he would resign, even after Bogdanovich didn't go there. Yes, their confidence took kind of a step back, but they were still very confident in the fact that he would resign. Now it's December 10th. We're 11 days away from when he can sign this thing, from when the deadline is really before the season, and you got to think that the Bucks' confidence, with each day, each hour that he doesn't sign, is going down. So. This is all very, very, very interesting to watch. And if he doesn't sign this, this is going to be the story of the whole season because it puts the Bucs in a bad spot. And what I mean by that is, like I said, you have to really start entertaining the idea of trading him. You have to. You cannot let him walk for nothing. And the fact of the matter is, if he doesn't sign this thing before December 21st, the fact of the matter is, that's what you're going to be looking at. The Bucs would be looking at the fact that Giannis could leave for nothing, and that fact could be staring the Bucks right in the face if he does not sign before December 21st. That is why this next week and a half is one of the most important week weeks of the NBA season. And it's it's tough to say that before the season even starts, But it is because wherever Giannis chooses to go, whether he stays with the Bucs or he chooses not to stay with the Bucs, it is going to change the NBA landscape. So this next week or week and a half, however you want to look at it, is going to be one of the most important weeks in the NBA season. And we'll all just have to wait and see how this all plays out. That is the only fact of the situation, is that we will all have to just wait and see what Giannis is thinking and what Giannis wants to do. Because at the end of the day, these comments, I'm focusing on myself, it tells me I am going to do what is best for myself. And for that, you can't blame the guy. But if you're the Bucks, oh, man, you are on pins and needles right now. It is that type of situation if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. And like I said, it'll be very interesting, but we're just going to have to see what happens with Giannis in this next week and a half. And now from a player who hasn't signed their extension yet, we move on to a player that signed an extension today. Of course, those of you that were paying attention, you heard. Paul George has signed a max extension with the Clippers, an extension worth five years and $226 million. I mean, damn. That's a lot of money. And I find this very interesting. I find the timing of it very interesting. Number one reason why is because Paul George has signed his extension before Kawhi Leonard. Now, we all know Kawhi Leonard can become a free agent after this season. He can opt out. He does have an opt out but I thought it was interesting that we heard about this before Leonard's and it gives Leonard some flexibility. The fact that he can't even sign an extension until next summer. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Kawhi Leonard cannot sign an extension with the Clippers until next season. So I guess in a way it makes sense that Paul George signed his first, but also in a way it doesn't to me. And one of the reasons why is because I just can't fathom after the playoff performance by Paul George, I cannot fathom why the Clippers would do this now. You know what I mean? Like, what do the Clippers gain from really extending Paul George right now after the abysmal playoff performance that he just put up there? Obviously, the Clippers believe in him. They got him with Kawhi Leonard to build a championship team to try to get the Clippers to become a marquee franchise in the NBA, a marquee organization, Steve Ballmer. He's willing to pay money. He's willing to do just about anything to win. But I just found this odd for a lot of reasons. Mainly, number one, like I said, if I'm the Clippers, I'm waiting another year to see what Paul George looks like this year. I mean, is he going to return to the Paul George of OKC where he was in the MVP running? Or does he revert back to last season in the playoffs? And is he a player where all the noise and expectation kind of bothers him? These are all things, if I'm the Clippers, I need more answers to before I give him a five-year, $226 million contract? I mean, I don't know what the Clippers are doing here. Now, at first, I will admit, at first when I heard this news, I was like, ooh, I was like, I think the Clippers have something up their sleeve. I was like, I think they could possibly try to, they got George under contract for five years, so they could try to trade for James Harden, because that would be enticing for the Rockets, to trade Paul George for Harden, and maybe some other pieces, and the fact that Paul George is under contract for five more years now would bode well for the Houston Rockets, but then I did some research, and it turns out that any player that signs a max extension cannot be traded for six months, and six months down the line would pretty much be after this NBA season. It would definitely be after the trade deadline this year, so the Clippers would not be able to do anything with Paul George this year in terms of a trade And that theory of mine quickly went out the window. Now, that's not to say next season, if James Harden still isn't traded from the Rockets, that the Clippers couldn't pursue him if they have another disappointment in the playoffs. But as of right now, as of what I first thought is that they were trying to do, clearly it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. But really the curious thing to me is that this was done before Kawhi Leonard. And you have to think that since Kawhi Leonard wanted Paul George and since He wouldn't go to LA without Paul George. You have to think that Kawhi Leonard okayed this or he was okay with this. But as I said, the fact that Kawhi can't sign an extension until next year, it gives him flexibility. So right now, hey, who cares if Paul George signs an extension? Because if it works out next year, great. That's great for me. I'll sign the extension too. And if it doesn't, that's also great for me. I have an opt-out and I can go somewhere else and leave Paul George with the Clippers. So Kawhi Leonard's playing a smart game here. As for the Clippers, I'm just not quite sure. I don't think that they're, they're going to be a good team this year. Don't get me wrong, but when I look at them, I'm not sure that I see real championship aspirations unless they got something bigger up their sleeve down the line this year. Well, I'll just have to wait and see, but the Paul George extension for them, I guess, is a good thing if they really believe in Paul George to be the second guy. I've told you numerous accounts. I do not believe in him to be my second guy. He's more of a third guy than a second guy. But if the Clippers have that faith in him, then this is a good move for them because they're at least going to have him for this season. We'll see what happens next season. And by the looks of it, they'll have him for multiple years if everything works out. So good on the Clippers. And Paul George, he's certainly looking to bounce back. He said on the All the Smoke podcast that he's determined to bounce back. He's been listening to Kobe every day. And he's going to go hard, basically, is what he said. He's going to go hard this year. And we'll just have to wait and see. Because those comments sound really good, but also when you turn into ESPN and you hear Matt Barnes, the host of the All the Smoke podcast, talk about how he feels like Paul George is still kind of in his head, that doesn't bode well for the Clippers or Paul George. So even though he talks a big game right now with Paul George, it is kind of a show me and a kind of wait and see. I don't want to hear it anymore. I want you to show me and I don't want you to show me in the regular season. I want you to show me in the playoffs. I want you to show me when it matters most. So, but hey, if you're the Clippers, this is good. If you believe in Paul George, if Kawhi Leonard loves himself some Paul George and that's going to get Kawhi Leonard to stay, this is good. But as we all know, a lot can change in a year. I mean, before that season, before last season, excuse me, the Clippers were the favorites to win the championship. And a whole lot has changed since then in both the nba world and the real world so just because he signed this extension i'm gonna say it again does not mean he will stay a clipper because if paul or if Kawhi leonard wants him out of here after next season if next season turns out to be another disaster or another failure then he will be out because that organization will always choose Kawhi over paul george i do believe that but for now It looks like Paul George will be a Clipper for five years and $226 million. Now comes the work. We'll see what the Clippers can do this season. We'll see if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can reach the heights everyone had picked them to reach last season. And it will be interesting to watch for sure. And I'm sure you guys as well are very interested to see what this Clippers team looks like with the additions like Serge Ibaka, Luke Kennard. And really, just after the failure of last season, I'm interested to see how they come out. I'm interested to see if they come out very motivated. But right now, it's all just a wait and see. And that's all it is right now. But as I said, good news for Paul George especially and good news for the Clippers right now. So we'll just leave that one there. And now, as promised, we are continuing the James Harden watch. There's no news in terms of where he might be traded or if he'll be traded yet. But we do have some news about him. He is expected to be at Rockets camp after he passes six straight days of COVID tests. So he cannot test positive for six straight days. And then he can rejoin the Rockets in their training camp and begin prepping for the season. Now that's big news because we all know last weekend he violated the NBA rules He went to the strip club when he wasn't supposed to. So now, like I said, he's got to pass COVID test for six straight days or he's got to test negative and then he can rejoin the team. But that's really all the news is there with James Harden. Other than the fact that John Wall came out and said that he's talked to Harden and Harden is very interested in staying with the Rockets. Now, if you talk to James Harden in his camp, you get a very different story. So I don't know what John Wall's talking about there and we'll just have to see. But as I've said before, it is getting harder and harder to see James Harden being traded before this season or even before the NBA trade deadline which I believe this year is March 25th because of the whole covid thing and because of the late start so they pushed it back to March 25th usually it's sometime in February they pushed it back though to March 25th so right now as it stands it is very very hard for me to see James Harden getting traded anytime before March. I just don't see it. I think Houston is very committed, as I've said in previous episodes, to letting the first half of the season ride out, seeing how the team plays, and if it's a disaster, they'll look to move him sooner than later, but if they gel okay, then you might not see James Harden move until next offseason, which the Rockets have leverage here. As I've said, I, I know the players can make it uncomfortable, and that's exactly what James Harden is going to do. He's made it known. With his little with his little move that he pulled last week, and he has made it known to the Rockets, if you are willing to get uncomfortable, well, then I will get uncomfortable. So what the Rockets have to do is be able to weather that storm until they really can get a deal that they like and waiting until the trade deadline might be the best move because we all know Daryl Morey of the 76ers has said that he is not interested in moving Ben Simmons until he sees how this thing works with Joel Embiid. And the only way James Harden could be traded before the deadline or at the deadline next season is if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, if it's clear that those two are not going to work together, if it's clear that the chemistry issues are actually there and that the 76ers want to dump Ben Simmons. Because right now, you look around the league, what better player are the Houston Rockets going to get for James Harden than Ben Simmons? What better player? First of all, there's not a lot of teams interested in James Harden. That's just number one. Number two, the teams that are would be the Nets and the 76ers. And if you're the Rockets, you're going to take the 76ers deal because it comes with Ben Simmons, another superstar. That's what you want if you're the Rockets. You don't want a Karis LeVert and a Spencer Dinwiddie and a Jarrett Allen. That doesn't get the Rockets anywhere near close to where they want to be. It doesn't get them anywhere near being able to sell tickets when fans are allowed back in the stands. What does that is Ben Simmons. And for the Rockets, for me, listen, Ben Simmons is the smart move. No doubt about it in my mind. So if they want to wait and see how that all plays out, I got no problems with it. I'm just telling you all, I wouldn't expect to see James Harden traded until at least March. And that's just the way it's going to be this year. And it's going to, we're going to see how much of a professional James Harden is. And we're going to see if he comes into the season kind of, you know, downplaying it or if he comes in motivated and ready to work with his new teammates. There's going to show a lot about James Harden this upcoming season. And it will be one of the things to watch for sure. Because as I said, if they struggle, James Harden has the power to make this very uncomfortable for the Rockets. And if you're the Rockets, every star player does it when they request a trade. Every organization says, we're willing to get uncomfortable. Well, you want to know what James Harden's going to do if this team struggles all season? He's going to test just how uncomfortable the Rockets are willing to get. So, a lot to look out for there, but... We don't expect any James Harden news really in the coming weeks. I mean, I don't, especially. I don't think he's going to be traded before the season at all. I think it's going to be a while. I think this is going to require some patience for both Harden and the Rockets. And right now, from what what it seems like, it seems like the Rockets have a bit more patience than James Harden does. So an interesting game of push and pull here. We'll see who wins, of course. But now it is time to move on to ESPN and their NBA ranking. Of course, they have released their top 10 NBA rankings of players this season. Now, that is important because this is not players of past seasons. This is going off of this season. This is who ESPN thinks will be the best players this season. And there are some interesting things in here, some things I agree with, and some things I particularly don't. Of course, let's just start with six through ten or ten through six however you want to look at it number ten we got Jokic Nikolo Jokic with the Denver Nuggets I have no problems with that he is definitely a top ten player in the NBA the only problem I would have with that possibly is maybe he should be a little higher on the list but really him being top ten and being number ten that doesn't bother me at all number nine James Harden that can be a little debatable, but I think the fact that he doesn't play much defense and everything of that nature, I think it is warranted. And then you got number eight, Steph Curry. Now, of course, Steph Curry, he needs to be in the top 10. I don't think he's a top five player. So number eight feels just about right with Steph Curry. Cause he's not someone that's going to play a lot of defense either, but who Steph Curry is the best shooter in NBA history. And when he's on the floor, He is deadly, no doubt about it. But this is where it gets interesting. They have Steph Curry as 8, and Damian Lillard as number 7. So they think Damian Lillard is going to be better than Steph Curry this season. That's going to be certainly interesting because I think those two are very comparable. They both got that deadly deep ball. I mean, nobody shoots a deep ball better than those two guys. And they are rivals. They do have a little rivalry going on between each other. So that's an interesting one. And this is where the list just gets out of control to me. Kevin Durant, number six. I understand he's coming off an Achilles, but to me, Kevin Durant, uh, he's, he's a top three player. And that's just what I think. That's what I think he'll come back as as well. I mean, we could talk about the expectations for KD this year coming off the Achilles. But to me, the expectation is he's going to be pretty close to what he was before. And if that's the case, then he's a top three player in basketball. And with that, let's just move on to number one through five. Of course, number five, you got Kawhi. No problem with that. He's a top five player. Number four, you got Luka. I don't really have a problem with that because after last season's playoffs, I think he is ready to make that jump into a top five player in the NBA. He certainly has the numbers. And if you watch him play, I mean, you just know something special is brewing. Now, number three and number two, this is where things get interesting because this is kind of where I would put a Kevin Durant. I would put Kevin Durant possibly at the number two slot with LeBron James. That is probably where I would put Kevin Durant. And then I'd put an Anthony Davis at the number three. And then Giannis possibly moving to KD's slot at number six. And there's a few reasons for this. First of all, let's talk about KD moving up to number two. I mean, to me, there's not much to talk about here. We all know LeBron's biggest rival. It is Kevin Durant. And we all know the one rival that has come closest to LeBron's level of game and level of skill is Kevin Durant. So I think Kevin Durant deserves that number two spot. Now, when you go to Giannis Antetokounmpo, why doesn't he deserve three? Why would I give that to AD? The answer is simple. If you just watch the two play, who's who's a, who's a better basketball player? And to me, it's Anthony Davis. Bar none. I mean, Anthony Davis, whether you like it or not, he's a champion. Giannis Antetokounmpo has struggled in the playoffs. And really the biggest thing with Antetokounmpo, look, his defense is excellent. The way he gets his guys involved is excellent. But the problem with him is he just isn't very skilled. He can't hit a jumper. He has no offensive moves that he can go to. Anthony Davis, he can face you up. He can hit a three. He can post you up. He just has more skill than Giannis. So that's why I put Davis at number three. And then I put Giannis at, unfortunately, number six. And you might be saying, why would you put him all the way back at number six? And the reason why is because I believe Luka is going to have a monster year, and I think he's right at number four. I really do. I think he will have a monster year. And if you look at Kawhi Leonard and Giannis, I just think Kawhi Leonard's better. I do. I mean, Kawhi Leonard beat him in the playoffs when he was in Toronto. And if you just look at the eye test, Kawhi Leonard has more skill than Giannis. So Giannis has some ground to make up. But really, overall, the list from one to ten, I have not a lot of problems with. Just besides the things that I've stated, I mean, Kevin Durant needs to be number two, not number six. Whoever put him at number six, I don't know what they're doing. That's not, that is not right. And Giannis, to me, even though he is a two-time MVP back-to-back years, that's all great and all, but I need to see it in the postseason. I need to see Giannis go through a postseason averaging close to 30. And I need to see him in a postseason where he doesn't get befuddled by a wall built inside the paint. He needs to get more skill. And for those reasons, that's why I said I would put Anthony Davis in front of him. I'd put Luka in front of him. I'd put Kawhi in front of him. I mean, that's really it for Giannis. For me, I do think he's a great player. Do I think he is on his way to becoming one of the greatest of all time? Sure, I do. But right now, I just need to see a little more from him before I'm willing to make the leap as a top three player in the NBA. Because we've the last two seasons we've spent saying that Giannis is a top three player in the NBA. And how has it turned out? It's turned out him losing in the playoffs and having very suspect performances, having those type of performances where you look at him and say, man, how good really is Giannis? So because of that, that's really the only problems I have with the list. Other than that, I mean, the list is pretty good. I encourage you to go check it out. It's on ESPN, the NBA rank. I believe they go to 100, and it's an interesting list. You'll see some names in there that are above some other names that will make you raise your eyebrows, but these these are, of course, projections. Like I said, they're not ranking off of last season. They are projecting into this season, and because of that, really hard to have a problem with it until you see how things kind of play out. And now it is time to transition to better or worse. Those of you that listen to podcasts on Tuesday, we did do a round of this where I took a handful of teams and I tell you whether I believe they will be better or worse this season and why or why not. And today I have picked five more teams to get into. So let's just get it started. Number one, the Pelicans. Will they be better or worse this season? And I actually think they will be better. I think Zion having a season under his belt, and I think Zion coming into the season with no minutes restriction is a big thing. Brandon Ingram's growth last year was amazing, and I think he continues on that same path. I think Brandon Ingram has a chance to be a very good player in this league, maybe even a star. And Zion, the same thing. I think Zion really just needs a whole season under him. I think he needs to get in shape, and the way you do that is to play a whole season. I mean, when you're only playing like Twenty to thirty games. It is hard to get into game shape. So Zion's not going to have that problem this year. And when I look at their coach too, Stan Van Gundy, it's a very, very good coach. I think he has the ability to coach up these young guys and get them going. Lonzo Ball has already went on Twitter and said that he expects a comeback season from him. Basically saying everyone laughing at me last season. You'll all figure it out next season. Now I'm not going to tell you whether or not I believe him because I really don't. But We'll have to see how it all works out. And they also got key additions like Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. I mean, Steven Adams and Zion in the pick and roll. Come on now. I mean, Steven Adams puts the wood on people. There is no doubt about that. Now, I'm not as high on Eric Bledsoe, but, you know, Eric Bledsoe is a good, he's a good guard. He gives them a shooting touch that Lonzo Ball simply just does not. And it'll be interesting to see how they play those two. I think they said that they're going to look at starting them both and playing them both at the same time, which would put probably Eric Bledsoe at the shooting guard and Lonzo at the point guard because Lonzo passes it better. Bledsoe probably scores it better. So very interesting things to look at with this team now. Just because I think they will be better than last season, does that mean I think they'll make the playoffs? The answer to that is no. The West is loaded. I think this team is still young. I think they might be a year or two away. And I really just need to see Zion for an extended length of time to really get a judgment on how good he is or how good he can be. So because of that, I do think the Pelicans will be better. But do they make the playoffs? I don't think so. Now for our next team, we will stay in the Western Conference and we will look at the Phoenix Suns. They had some big-time acquisitions this offseason, getting Chris Paul and getting Jay Crowder as well, which I will still contend with anybody, is a very underrated signing for any team this offseason. So the Suns, better or worse? This one to me is easy. I don't even need to think about this one. They're going to be better. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, come on now. Come on now. Those are some bad boys right there. And Chris Paul, I said it before, he is exactly what this team needs. He brings experience. He brings savvy. He can teach these young guys how to win because quite frankly, the Suns are loaded with young talent. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, no one's going to sit here and argue with you if you say that those are some talented individuals because they are. I mean, Devin Booker scored over 70 points in a game before. They are super talented. But what are they, what they are lacking, excuse me, is experience and leadership. And what does Chris Paul bring? The two most important things that Chris Paul brings, what are they? Oh, it happens to be the two things that the Suns have missed the last two years, or the last few years, excuse me. And then when you add in Jay Crowder, someone that was just in the NBA Finals, someone that just played his best basketball, possibly of his career in the playoffs, this team, I think, has a chance to surprise some folks, and they will be better. And I actually do think that is going to translate to the Suns making the playoffs. I do see it. I actually think that they could become a top five seed. Now, that is if people like Chris Paul stay healthy. I mean, if Chris Paul is injured for most of the year, then that obviously goes out the window. So this is like, if they stay healthy, this team can be this team can be a team in the NBA. And they haven't been since Devin Booker has got there, which they've been thirsting for. I mean, even Devin Booker's been thirsting for it. There have been questions if Devin Booker's going to request his trade anytime soon because he's sick of losing. Well, this year, you got Chris Paul. You got that veteran leadership. You got Jay Crowder. You have a chance to win. You have a chance to really make some noise. And not only do I think this team will be better and make the playoffs, I actually think it's a very real possibility that they're fighting for a top-five seed in the Western Conference. They went 8-0 and in the bubble seeding games. So... They are working in the right direction and getting people like Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. They're even more working in the right direction. So I'm excited to see the Suns next season and I hope you are too. And because of that, you know, I think they will be a lot better this year, possibly even a top five team in the Western Conference, which is saying a lot when you look at how loaded the Western Conference is. And staying with the theme of the Western Conference, let's look at our next team, the Houston Rockets. Of course, they got that James Harden drama floating around, but they did get John Wall. They did sign DeMarcus Cousins. They did make some moves. So the question becomes, will they be better or worse? And to me, they're going to be worse this year. Um, The James Harden drama is a thing unto itself that I think will be a distraction this season. Then also when you add in the fact you got rid of Westbrook, which I think is a very good player, a very good regular season player. Now, would I want him in the playoffs? No, I wouldn't. But he is a good regular season player, and he can lead you to wins. But when I look at people like John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, it makes me wonder really what this Rockets front office is trying to accomplish. I mean, we had Tillman Fertitta come out, the owner of the Rockets, and say that he believes they got better this offseason I don't believe for one second they got better unless you're going to tell me that DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall are going to turn back the clock and they're going to be great again. If you can tell me that, if you can assure me that, then sure, I will say they got better. But, I mean, at this point, those guys seem like damage goods to me. I mean, John Wall's coming off a heel injury and then a torn Achilles. And then you got DeMarcus Cousins who's coming off just a handful of injuries, a torn Achilles, a torn quad A torn ACL. So I just don't see how that's going to work. And then plus, you add in the fact that James Harden has all this drama surrounding him and he wants to be traded. It just is not a very good mix for me. And I think the Rockets will be worse. And actually, I think this might surprise some of you folks. I actually think the Houston Rockets are going to be in danger of missing the playoffs. I do. I really do. When you got teams like the Suns that are on the come-up and teams like the Warriors, which we'll be back this year, and we're going to talk about them in a second here. When you got teams like that on the come-up, it's hard for me to look at the Rockets in their current roster and really say that I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they might be fighting to make the playoffs at best, but they're certainly not going to be a contender, and they're certainly not going to be better than they were last year. So mark them down for worse for me because of everything I just stated. And you just heard me allude to our next team, which is the Golden State Warriors. So let's just go there. Golden State Warriors, will they be better or worse? Now, of course, we know Klay Thompson, the torn Achilles. That's a big deal. I think that takes them out of championship contention. But they did sign Kelly Oubre Jr., which is a good pickup. He does play defense. He does average about 19 a game. He can shoot the three. I think he will actually play well with Steph Curry. I think he'll play better with Steph Curry than their experiment last year, which was D'Angelo Russell, and that's a fact to me. But better or worse? Now, I said that I think it takes him out of championship contention, the fact that Clay got hurt, and it does. But when you're talking about better or worse, we're really just talking about the last year. So will they be better than last year? I think you can book that. No doubt about it. They're not going to miss the playoffs again, I don't think. I think they've built a good enough team to make the playoffs. I think Steph Curry is going to come out with the vengeance. We haven't seen him in a bit. The whole NBA world and its fans are ready to see some Steph Curry. We're ready to see those rainbow threes. I can't believe I'm saying this being a LeBron fan, but man, does the NBA and do I miss Steph Curry and just the box office value that he is. I mean, he is one of those guys. And you're talking about the best shooter in NBA history. So, he's going to have something to say this season. He might even creep up in that MVP race. Who knows? But when we're talking about better or worse, they're going to be better than last season. I think James Wiseman has a chance to do a lot of great things for this team. A lot of things that not a lot of people are looking at. James Wiseman to me was the best player in the NBA draft. No doubt about it. You can have Anthony Edwards all day. I'll take James Wiseman, and I think he'll make a huge difference for the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry being back for a full season. If he can stay healthy for a full season, I think will make all the difference. I think the Warriors will actually get into the playoffs. So because of that, clearly from last year, that would make them a better team, and that's what I'll stick with. They will be better this season. All right, and now we will transition to our last team of better or worse, and that team is in the Eastern Conference, and that team is the Washington Wizards. Now, we all know they got Russell Westbrook. They got rid of John Wall, though, but they did get Russell Westbrook, and him and Bradley Beale makes for a pretty good duo, especially in the Eastern Conference. So when you ask me, will the Wizards be better or worse, I would put my money on better because I think Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beale are a good enough duo to get this team to the playoffs, which is where they were not last year, which would obviously make them better. And also, I think that they have a chance to make a little bit of noise in the East. Now, does that mean that I think they're going to make the championship? Does Does that mean that I think they'll make the conference finals even? No, that's not what that means. But can they make it a little interesting? Can they push a team that could make the conference finals to six games? Sure they can. I think Westbrook can do that for you, and him and Beal, I actually think, are a better combo than what people are realizing, because Bradley Beal is a deadly catch-and-shoot through catch and shoot three-point shooter, and he's not someone that needs the ball in his hands all that much. Now, Westbrook, he does need the ball in his hands, and that's why, at times with the Rockets, he seemed very ineffective because he is one of the least effective players without the ball in his hands in the NBA. But when you put Bradley Beal next to him, someone that can run off screens and someone that they can use as kind of like a Clay Thompson, run him off screens and just get him going and shoot threes, catch and shoot type of guy. I think Westbrook can have a very good season. I think Bradley Beal can too. And even though I don't think they're championship contenders per se, I do think that those two can find some sort of success together. I really do. Especially when you're talking about the Eastern conference. Now, When you look at the Wizards, it's hard for me to think that people wouldn't believe that they'd make the playoffs because there's a lot of teams I look at the Wizards and put them up against and I'm like, I think the Wizards are better than that team. But that's just me and we'll have to see how things ultimately play out. But I actually really do like the duo and I think the duo can be a lot more dangerous than what people are imagining. So because of that, I think the Wizards not only will be better, but I will go out on the limb right now and say the Washington Wizards make the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference next year. But that'll do it for this week's edition of Better or Worse. I might do another one next week because it is kind of fun. When you take all of the offseason moves and add them all up and everything of that, all the offseason additions and subtractions, and you really look at who will be better or worse. It is interesting, and I think the NBA has a chance to really fluctuate between a lot of teams of who's better or worse. So it's interesting to look at, and I might do it again next week, but that'll do it for this week's edition of Better or Worse. I hope you enjoyed that segment. I'm really thinking about doing more of those type of segments in the future. But now we gotta move on to tomorrow, and... You hardcore basketball fans know what tomorrow is because only hardcore basketball fans even care about this. And that is that the NBA preseason finally gets underway and it is headlined with the Clippers and the Lakers. No surprise there. But AD or LeBron are not going to play in that game. No surprise there either. I think Frank Vogel is going to be very generous to ad and lebron concerning their minutes and their bodies really through the first part of the season and when you're talking about preseason look lebron james is nearing 36 as he said on the podcast he's just not worried about preseason and if you're frank vogel there's no need to rush ad out there they just won the championship october 11th why would you rush ad out there For what reason? I mean, we all know what AD is. We all know that LeBron and AD have chemistry. It's not like last preseason where they've never played together before. So they did play that very first preseason game against the Warriors. I remember it very well. It's not like that. We all know that they have outstanding chemistry. Frank Vogel knows that as well. So there's really no need to put them in harm's way in the preseason. And honestly, I don't expect them to play a lot at all in the preseason. The whole time. And I would guess the same for people like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Now, I don't know that for a fact. You know, Ty Lue's there now. Maybe he wants them to really start to gel. Maybe he thinks part of the problem last year is that they didn't get chemistry under control. So really, maybe they'll take that a lot more serious this season. We'll have to wait and see. But I wouldn't be surprised if those two don't play either. But one thing I am looking forward to is basically... Kevin Durant coming back and Steve Nash has all but said that he expects Kevin Durant to play in the preseason and Kevin Durant said the same thing so get excited folks because you will be seeing Kevin Durant before the regular season and I'm actually going to read you Steve Nash's actual comments because they are interesting and they do lend me to believe that Kevin not only Kevin Durant but Kyrie Irving is going to get some time in these preseason games as well now that's not saying much considering the Nets only have two preseason games. But still, for those of us that are thirsting to see Kevin Durant again and thirsting to see how him and Kyrie work together, it's a very good thing. And this is what Steve Nash had to say. He said the preseason games are so important for us this year, in particularly for us. It's a new group. We only have two of them. We have guys who haven't played, played in the bubble, and then we have guys that either didn't play in the bubble or guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who had some injuries before that. Kai, I think, has played 20 games over the past season. Kai is in Kyrie. Then he goes on to say, Kevin obviously has been out for 18 months. So every chance we get to play is important for us to form that commonality, that connectivity that I keep talking about, and give us that common experience. Right now, that is something we are really short on. We definitely have to use the exhibition games to find that. Excuse me, I couldn't talk there for a second. Exhibition games to find that. So clearly, Steve Nash is putting out the message of importance for these preseason games for the Nets chemistry and really just for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to get back in the flow of an NBA game because Kyrie Irving, as he said, has only played 20 games in the last season and Kevin Durant missed the whole last season. So it is important for them to see where their chemistry is. And like I said about AD and LeBron this year, you don't really need to see where their chemistry is at because we know where it's at. But last year when they first got together, they did play in the first preseason game. Because they did need to see how it worked. And it's the same thing with the Nets this year. So I do expect to see limited amount of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But still, limited at this point in the preseason is better than none at all. Especially when you haven't seen someone the talent of Kevin Durant in a year. So... I'm excited for it and I cannot wait. But as I said, Nets only have two preseason games. So you're not going to get to see much of Kevin Durant or Kyrie, but you will get at least a glimpse of what the future could look like there in Brooklyn this season. And for that, that has me excited. But with all of that out of the way, that will do it for today's show, folks. Thank you for joining me. Of course, it is Thursday, December 10th. We are getting really close to the start of the season. Now that preseason tips off tomorrow, the NBA season is literally right around the corner. And I hope that you all are as excited as I am about it. And don't forget if you like the podcast, add it to your favorites, follow it, do whatever you got to do. And also go add or go follow me, excuse me, on Facebook. I am on there. Just search up Above the Rim podcast. It should be pretty easy to find for you. So go give that a like and that is where you can join in on all the debate, all the conversation about the NBA and I would love nothing more than that to happen. But as I said, that'll do it for today and Hopefully, not a lot happens between now and next week, but it is the NBA. My guess would be that a lot will happen over the weekend, and we'll just have to wait and see what exactly does happen. We'll keep an eye on James Harden. We'll keep an eye on Giannis, and we will be back next week.